0: Welcome to Waste Away, the intermittent fasting podcast. If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, heal your thyroid and autoimmune issues, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away: The Chantel Ray Way, and each week I have different guests answering your questions. If you haven't had a chance to pick up your copy of Waste Away, visit chantelrayway.com/podcast and you'll automatically get 20% off the book, audiobook, recipe book, coaching and inner circle Facebook group. Remember the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice.
1: Hey guys, Aaron here. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that you can find our full podcast episodes on our YouTube channel. Not only do you get to see Chantel and our guests, but you also get to see any charts, graphs, or pictures that we may mention. Search Chantel Rayway on YouTube or click the link in the show notes. And if you would like daily accountability as well as a resource with lots of helpful tips about Chantel's intermittent fasting lifestyle, head on over to ChantelRayWay.com coaching. As always, enjoy the show.
0: Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode and today's guest is a three-time Canadian natural bodybuilding champion. He's an author, he's a huge advocate for natural nutrition and training methods, he's the president of BioOptimizers and it's a company that helps fix your gut health and he's also the host of the Awesome Health Podcast and it's such an honor to have Wade Lightheart on the show today. Welcome.
2: So great to be here. Thanks for
0: having me. So you're the very first bodybuilding champion. We might have had one more, but I don't I don't think I don't think I think she did shows, but I don't think she was like a bodybuilding champion. But tell us how you got started in the world of bodybuilding.
2: Well, you know, uh, back, you know, I'm getting up there. So when I was uh, 15 years old, three significant things happened to me in, in a very short period of time. One, my parents moved to an extremely rural place. It was five miles to my nearest neighbor. Uh, literally lived on a dirt road of a mountain. They take a snowmobile out to the bus in the winter. It was very rural. And so I had a lot of time on my hands. And I was very frustrated at 15 like, for caretakers of this resort. And it was awesome. But for a 15 year old, it was like devastating. So I had no control of my life. Second thing happened was my sister was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease, which is a form of cancer of the lymph nodes. And she was four years my senior. And over the next four years, I watched her go through the medical model before she died at the age of 22. That had a big impression. Yeah, about health and, you know, it's not a guarantee and all these kind of things that you don't really think about when you're a teenager unless you've been in one of those situations. And then the third thing that happened at the same time, this is like, this all happened in a very short period of time. My sister handed me a bodybuilding magazine, it was a muscle and fitness cover. It had Troy Zuclato, I can still remember it today. He was a blonde guy, he Won Mr. California, he had these two pretty girls with him. and you know, being 15 year old guy going, looking at this guy, I'm like, wow, maybe if I get those muscles I can, you know, be around girls like that and uh, you know, very girl, because there was no internet. This is how you communicate communicated. So Joe Weider hooked me. And I had nothing else to do. So I literally built a, a gym in my barn with sawhorses and pulleys and put, you know, things under tractor tires. And, and it was like Rocky IV gym, you know, where he fought the <laughs> Drago. And I started, I started training. And, and it was the one thing in my life that I could get control of. Mm. And so I think in a world where, you know, looking back now that there was all these things that were out of my control, a lot of stress, a lot of things that I didn't have the tools to deal with this was a way that I could actually physically see changes in my own body. So I was able to take control of myself by training. And a lot of people um, think of, you know, bodybuilding is really the only sport which you can definitely change how your physicality looks. In other words, if you're skinny, you can have more muscles. If you're kind of chunky, you can get skinnier. You can change your shoulders, you can change it. You can actually shape. And so me, it was kind of an artistic uh, component as well. You know, like an artist slaps clay on the body and puts things together. I was like, well, I have to do these exercises and eat these foods. And then from, from there, I went and studied exercise physiology at the University of New Brunswick. And uh, from there, I went on to mentor under a lot of people and over 16 years. Got to, uh, won my first national championship and, and got to represent our country at the Mr. Universe contest. And the big thing about that was I was doing quote-unquote everything right. I had total discipline on my diet. I had the best coach in the industry. I had, you know, and literally getting ready for that contest, I felt terrible. The whole, like, I was in contest shape for nine months. You shouldn't stay. That's like very, very low body fat levels, unhealthy body fat levels. And after the Mr. Universe contest, I gained 42 pounds of fat and water in 11 weeks wow right so i said i went from mr universe to mr marshmallow <laughs>
0: That's <laughs> and funny.
2: now i had another hook that was really important and i think this is what relates to your listeners today and that was this crisis was i experienced was the greatest opportunity of my life and i didn't know it and it certainly didn't feel that way but it set the course for the rest of my life in this, in the fact that I went and met a a, a doctor, his name was Dr. Michael O'Brien, around the same time. He was in his 70s, he he was so vibrant, he had so much energy, his eyes and his skin were glowing and he was just, I was like, this guy could just kick my butt. <laughs> like, What am I doing wrong? He's doing something right, I'm doing something wrong. It was obvious. And I went to him, I said, Dr. O'Brien, I said, what happened? You're so physically vital. You look so good. You have so much energy, you know, and I'm supposed to know all this stuff. And here I am, you know, gained 42 pounds of fat and water. Like, I'm. what's going on? He says, Wade, you've learned how to build the body from the outside in. What you haven't learned is how to build the body from the
0: inside. Wow, that's so good. I'm going to write that down. That's a good one. I love that so much. Yeah, and, and
2: you know, so basically, he put me on a whole protocol of rebuilding my gut health, um, enzymes and probiotics. And, and I changed my, um, some of my dietary practices. And within six months, I got my physique back. But better than that, I felt amazing. And I realized the mistakes that so many people are making in their quest for what I call cosmetic perfection. In other words, most of the advertising, most of the marketing, most of the dietary components or recommendations are made to to, to achieve a certain cosmetic look, you know? Mm. Um, So we celebrate actors or movie stars or athletes. And we see if they have a high level of fitness, we think that, oh, they're healthy. But oftentimes they're compromising their health to look a certain way. And they're going to pay the piper later, just like I did
0: So was that the transition when when you started transitioning into the world of gut health and digestion? Was that when you had gained those 42 pounds and felt like you were Mr. Marshmallow? Correct.
2: (laughs) It's exactly it. Because I realized there was this whole area that I knew nothing about. Now, keep in mind, I had been studying this field for 16 years. I had the best mentor in the world. Nobody was talking about this, you know, 20 years ago. And so from there, I, uh, I, like I said, I fixed myself, I started teaching other people, we did a natural bodybuilding course and coached over 15,000 people worldwide, my business partner and I met Gallant. And we got a lot of feedback and a lot of data from virtually every walk of life, guys, girls, seniors, you know, teenagers, you know, everything in between, you know, and from that, we started to realize there is a simple way to kind of rebuild your system. Regardless of what your diet is, regardless of your genetics, like my business partner is a keto guy. I'm a vegetarian. It doesn't matter. You know, maybe 1% of our people we've coached are bodybuilders or strength athletes. Most people are just regular people who want to look better and are struggling. They're struggling. They don't know why because your gut health and your hormone health and your brain function are all tied together in this unique chain. And if your gut's off, it can throw your brain off. That sits in negative cycles and emotional cycles that can throw cortisol off. That makes you hold weight. There's inflammation cycles. There's all these different things. And so the gut becomes the second brain of our lives. And when and, and you rechange that, it's amazing how it has a cascade on our thinking and on our hormone health. And of course, ultimately on how we look and how we feel.
0: So I know you offer a lot through bio optimizers, tell people what that is, first of all, and talk about this gluten gluten guardian that you talk about.
2: Yeah, so here's what I recognized is, you know, when I had my health crisis, I'm I was um, literally 31 years old. I'm supposed to be in the peak of my health, and I had this health crisis, and and I and, and I was following all the best people. I had the training, I had the education, I had all the stuff, and I realized, oh my goodness, what's going to happen to everybody else? Who's out there just, you know, reading the latest thing online or whatever? Like, what are they going to do? How are they supposed to know this if they're a mom or they're a pop or they're, you know, they're working their day? And so um, we started out as a bodybuilding company, but we realized what happened is people started to see me in my health clinic in Vancouver. I ran a holistic health clinic and, and people were coming in and they'd have skin conditions. And I'd say, well, it's, let's fix your gut and their skin condition would go away. Or they'd have depression. I said, well, let's fix your gut and their depression would go away. And then... Then there was cancer people coming to me after cancer treatments, and they were feeling terrible. I was like, "Well, let's fix your gut, rebuild your gut health, and get your energy back." And all these things are coming back to the gut. So then we, I, one day, Matt and I were sitting there, my business partner, we're like, "We're not a bodybuilding company. We're a, we fix digestion. That's what we do." And what happened is we recognize that there, right now, twelve percent of the people who enter into a hospital is a gastrointestinal related illness. That's 12% of hospital visits. Uh, over a decade ago, it was $150 million, billion dollars in hospital costs for people. And, and we all know what it's like when our gut health. So we decided, let's focus on this. Let's expand it. And one of the areas that you're talking about is gluten. So we all know these gluten pre kind of gluten free diets have been the rage for maybe the last four or five years.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And and it's expanding, and and the question is, well, why isn't you know we've been eating bread for
0: centuries? <laughs> yes.
2: Right? Why suddenly is there this challenge? And the in rea- the short version of that is is number one, um, we've been growing monoculture uh, foods for the last. 70 years since World War II, and that's caused uh, the use of herbicides, pesticides, fungicides, mineral deficient soils, uh, genetically modified foods, and all of these things interrupt our natural digestive capacity. Genetically, most of us don't have the ability to break down gluten. See, gluten is a protein.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. And it's been somewhat altered over the last years because of the use of uh, pesticides and chemicals and all these sort of things. For example, the U.S. Congress in 1900 was concerned about the degradation of protein in wheat. Wheat was 90% protein then. It's less than 7% now. And what the 7% left is undigestible. It's like a, have you ever seen a baseball cover that, uh, you know, like a a baseball that's the cover's been kind of ripped off of it? And you can see all the thread inside well gluten is just like that gluten is the leather cover and all the good stuff in the food is inside the problem is is that cover requires a specific enzyme that most people don't produce in the body that the gut the they don't have the gut bacteria to produce this enzyme to break down that food so when they eat that food it now becomes a toxin it now causes inflammation it now makes your tummy hurt and it now feeds bad bacteria and so we, we looked all over the place and we found that there was a, this enzyme, which is called DPP4, dipeptidyl peptidase 4, that actually breaks down this particular protein. And so the good news was, is we understood the use of enzymes. We understood the use of probiotics to get gut health, but now we were able to take a specific enzyme and create a formula that would allow people to kind of you know eat their gluten and get away with it because we go to social events or we go to a restaurant and if you're really mm. sensitive even if you're trying to avoid it chances are the food is contaminated like things like mustard can have it soya sauce can have it it can be in the wine that you're drinking like there's all these things and and then yes. also, why do i why did i puff up like in the morning when i woke up or why is there bags under my eyes or why do i have a headache or why does my stomach hurt well, that's because you had an instant, a reaction to this. And so we like, Hey, we can solve that. We can, we can provide that. And my mom makes the best bread in the world. Believe me, it's amazing. And I can go in there and, and, and eat that bread and not have any bad reactions. Cause I love the taste of it.
0: Oh my gosh, that's incredible. And so tell everyone, what is your, your website?
2: Yeah, our website is bioptimizers.com. And if they go to bioptimizers.com slash waste away, um, we're a very education focused company. So when they go to that link, what's going to happen is they're going to have a little course. I created an, uh, a, a little course called the awesome health course. And basically I took all the experts that I learned from over the last 30 years and did little summaries, five to 15 minute videos so that you can go in there and find out, you can find about gluten enzymes. You can find about the right water to drink you can find about minerals you can find all these little things and quick little snippets that you can watch on your phone while you're waiting for your kids to come out of uh hockey practice or uh, out of a uh, ballet practice or whatever and it's really quick and easy and, and it's a great education for them. so people can go deep uh they can find mm-hmm. out where i learned this stuff and so we're, i'm very heavy uh, on education
0: wow that is awesome so That is incredible. Thank you so much for that. Um, So I know that you openly talk about being a vegetarian. And so what caused you to make this decision? Because that is also like, this is what I love about you. Because it's like, man, I honestly, I've never met a bodybuilder in my entire life. You're going to be my very first one that I've met that's a vegetarian. I mean, have you met anyone that's a vegetarian that's a bodybuilder?
2: Well, now it's much more common. Um, when I decided to go this route and, uh, back in uh, 2001, um, so we're getting up on 18 years, well, 17 years now, and um, nobody was doing it. And I always thought I was crazy and this was nuts. And basically what happened is I was a meat eater like everybody else. I grew up that way and all that sort of stuff. And I'm, I'm not one of those vigilante vegans or anything. i you know, I just choose a diet that's right for you. But I, I read a book called The Holy Science and it was on – the processes of the human body. It was written by a guru in India. And I was like, well, this guy's got a, I, I like he explained the digestive system. He played the nervous system. He explained our teeth are responsive to fruits versus a slaughterhouse, all this stuff. I was like, well, that's really cool. I'm gonna try this for two weeks. I'm gonna go vegetarian for two weeks. So I went for two weeks I said, I feel pretty good. I'll try two more weeks. I, I felt good after two more weeks. I said, well, I'm gonna go another month. I got to two months and I'm like, ah, I think I, will, I think I won't eat meat anymore. I so
0: you do, so, so you, you do eat dairy then, correct?
2: I have a bit. Um, so I'll go out. Uh, there'll be some Christmas parties and I'll have some cheese. Um, again, I'll take my gluten guardian before because the problem that people have generally with that is not lactase. Um, it, lactase is the enzyme that most people are familiar about milk. But where a lot of people run into problems is the A1 inflammatory proteins from cow's milk. Mm-hmm. And uh, my gluten guardian will actually take care of the inflammatory protein that causes people distress on that as well. So I take that mm-hmm. if I'm going out, you know, the bread and cheese and wine that people like to have when they go out. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I just...
0: Now, I- let me ask you this because, you know, we've had people... Uh, on the show that have said that when they are here in the united states um they cannot have dairy and they can't have gluten but we've had people who said but when i if i go to france or if i go to spain or if i go here i can go i can have the cheese i can have the gluten and i have no problems have you has have you experienced that or have you heard that
2: No, it's absolutely true. And I'm going to explain why that is. Because many of the foods that they're serving in Europe and other countries, number one, have not been genetically modified. That's a big factor. A lot of our food has been genetically modified. Second thing is they're in a... unpasteurized state so when you make when you get cheese in France most of it's unpasteurized the same as the wine doesn't have the sulfites in it that a lot of the preservatives that we add to the wines here for commercial purposes but you'll have the naturally occurring enzymes and bacteria that'll break that down here you can't have the raw state so if you have raw milk then it has the enzymes and probiotics that will actually break that down it comes with the food But we pasteurize it and now you don't have the bacteria, you don't have the enzymes to break that down and therefore you're stuck. And in those countries they understand it, they do it and they uh, reject a lot of the genetically modified foods that we don't have the ability to break down and that's where people run into problems.
0: All right. And I know that you are a fan of intermittent fasting. So tell us how long you've been doing this, what's your eating window like? And what kind of feedback have you had from the bodybuilding community? Because I'm telling you right now, like one of my trainers that I train with, he is, I mean, this guy that I work out with, he is just chiseled and he is like, when if he took his shirt off for you, he looks like he's ready for a show at all times. Like he stays at like 8% body fat. You see what I'm saying? and so you know he's huge into the bodybuilding community and he is definitely one of those like you know he's always trying to say to me Shantel, you need to eat more uh more times a day and i'm like nope i'm not doing it so so tell us about your experience with the intermittent fasting
2: yeah so i started out um i had read about fasting protocols um 20 years ago and started experimenting it with my own body to kind of rid the toxins out of it. So I started off with little, literally one day fasts and then that went to two day fasts and then that went to three day fasts. And I would take herbs and things like that to kind of help remove all the plaque and stuff out of my system. And I can remember the stuff coming out of me after not eating for a few days. I'm like, whoa, that's hard to believe. And so um, that eventually evolved into up to 10 day fasts. I did fast on water for 10 days and that, I was just doing that as a regular occurrence. I would fast one day a week. I would not eat for a period of 24 to 36 hours, which I continue to do today. I do 24 to 36 hours. That's like, awesome. um, Yeah. Like I just drove up from California the other day. Um, so it's a two day trip from California to Vancouver and uh, I didn't eat the whole trip. I just drove and drank water and that was it. That's so, awesome. Yeah. And so um, I believe it's, and then if I'm, if I'm and through the week, I'll generally eat between a window between 12 and 6. So for me, with women, I find most women do better if they eat early in the day from a hormonal perspective and then maybe cut off at say two o'clock or something like that. Just because mm-hmm. women's hormones are a little bit different than men. I'm getting older. So... I've got Mm -hmm. more testosterone early in the day that I want to ride that wave until I get to the afternoon and then I'll start
0: Mm -hmm. eating. That's awesome. Um, Now, before we get started with listener questions, we always like to ask our guests, like, what did you eat yesterday? So like, what time did you start eating? And tell us exactly what you ate.
2: Yeah, so uh, yesterday afternoon, I went to Whole Foods and I had a ginormous salad at 2 p.m., was my first meal. So uh, that's, I call it a rainbow salad. The salad had, you know, um, mixed vegetables, arugula and spinach and things like that, and celery, cabbage, cucumbers, tomatoes, green peppers, some mushrooms, a little bit of walnuts, some pecans, nutritional yeast, um, essential fatty acid oil, and some apple cider vinegar, some sea salt. So I put all that in together in a, in a, in a big giant bowl and uh, I ate that. And then at, um, I guess it was five thirty, I had a bowl of, um, what was it? It was a pinto bean kind of stew and a kind of a tomatoey sauce, you know, with some nice herbs and everything inside it. And, Oh, I forgot to say, I had a, a bottle of uh, kombucha at both meals. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I took my, uh, I took my, uh, mass enzymes and I took my probiotics before each meal. And that was what I had yesterday.
0: So let me ask you this. When if do you ever quit crave something sweet? And if you do, what do you eat?
2: Yeah. Great question. I, I do. And that's directly correlate. That's directly correlated with the, um, the level of protein that I require on that day. So what I found, what I have found is that if my protein goes too low, I start to crave a lot more sugar. Mm. And so for me, I like to have between about 75 grams of protein a day. And if I go below that, if I, cause otherwise I'm, I'm over to the chocolate aisle. I, I love chocolate. <laughs> I, I got some, I got some friends who are just amazing chocolatiers. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Kelly at Chocolate Tree in Sedona, Arizona makes amazing almond butter Buddhas that are fantastic. Uh, Lulu, you can see her chocolate all over. Like she's another friend of mine. She makes great chocolate. I, I love chocolate, and I, <laughs> and I like to have. I like to have a piece. Uh, you know, oftentimes as a after my dinner, just a little piece,
0: mm-hmm. you know, just
2: a little bit, and. and I get a really high quality product, not something that you gobble down, like something that you just set in your mouth and you let mm. it kind of go through and you get all the flavors and bouquets. And I, I've learned that from these chocolate experts, like usually a raw cacao, a really good one. And mm. those,
0: that yeah. sounds awesome. I'm ready for a piece of chocolate. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, let's jump right into our listener questions. The first one is from Amy in Virginia Beach. My friend recently purchased a Kangen water system and is a huge fan. Not only does she drink it, but she told me about adjusting different pH levels for things like soaking vegetables, treating moles on her skin, showering. I know it's quite the investment and I'm wondering about the science behind how it works. Is it really worth the money or is it just all in her head? She tells me it's not just about the pH, but also the ionization that breaks the water molecules down. Amy in Virginia Beach. Uh,
2: here's here's the fact on fact. I purchased my Enagic machine, uh, I guess, in 2007, and I did extensive testing on it. And basically, I saw that... Uh, with myself and the clients I used, they could train harder, faster, longer, more frequently. They recovered better. And at the time the science was not in humans, but recently Dr. Horst Filzer, he's a Harvard medical surgeon who uh, taught I think 38 department heads in the United States. He just did in human, uh, like human trials with this water. I was just with him in Las Vegas a few weeks ago. And he has proven that Kangen water produced by magic machines increases mitochondrial energy that's the energy units in the body serves as an antioxidant in the body which removes the inflammation the silent killer that gets all the, the disease and also reduces delayed onset muscle soreness from exercise and training which is something i knew you know mm-hmm. but i didn't run all the studies and he did this in human studies i think you're going to see it all over it's you know the company's been around for a long time i travel with that unit it's inconvenient. I put it in my carry-on bag and I put a shower unit they make in my carry-on bag that I travel around the world because I don't want chlorine and fluoride inside my body because that messes up uh, thyroid production, which is a big issue, particularly amongst women because fluoride and, and chlorine interact iodine. It removes, you can remove that out of it, but basically it turns your regular into five different types yeah. of water with the touch of a button. So you can make a 2.5 pH, which will kill any bacteria off. So I use it as an antiseptic. It makes a 5.5. You can spray your skin. It's toner. So women who use toner, you don't need that. It uses 5.5 water. It makes a three different types of alkaline water, which is, it's not really the alkaline. There's a lot of people out there thinking alkaline water is a big deal. I don't think that's the benefit. It's the fresh, electrical-based antioxidants that are produced by electrolysis. Basically, it's electrical ions that go into your body and take out inflammation. And then there's 11.5, which is the last part of the question. That particular water, what that does, it's so soft, right? It will actually emulsify oil. Now, why is that important? Well, on our fruits and vegetables, we get herbicides, pesticides, and fungicides. Okay, Those are directed to interrupt the enzymatic activity and the bacteria inside those plants or on those plants. Now, what happens when you eat that? It's gonna mess up the enzyme production in the bacteria. It kills the bugs this way. The question is how much does it need this? And I do believe that a lot of gut health, a lot of digestive health related illnesses are related to the chemicals that are on food. The USDA allows, even on organics, allows 50 different chemicals on that food. If organics traveled in a truck with chemical or like conventionally grown foods, they spray bomb them oftentimes and your organics can get these chemicals. So there's all these different areas. And I wash my fruits and vegetables, my salads and stuff, and you'll see this goop come off them. Now you can't get that off with a spray and you, but 11.5 pH old. And that's why I use it. And uh, I think it's an amazing. Now, do you have that. it
0: just in your kitchen or do you have it? Like in yeah. in your shower and your like in your bathroom.
2: Yeah, I got I got it. In, I got the shower unit for my shower. I mean, I think everybody should at the least put a chlorine filter on their showers. That, that, that the first thing they ought to do to start. Those those are like twenty bucks. I got the shower unit. I got the water unit, and I travel with them everywhere because I want to make sure I got good water, and I want to make sure I'm not. So
0: wait my- a minute. I didn't. Um, I have one for my kitchen. I don't have one. I don't have one in my, any other place. Um, but I didn't know you could travel with it.
2: Oh, yeah. I put it right in my carry-on bag. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's wild.
2: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it, well, the thing is, is I have a little attachment set that hooks up to almost any single attach. Like, I've hooked this stuff up to garden hoses. I've hooked this stuff up into hotel. Like, I've done some crazy things getting my water, because... I know that, you know, outside of diet aside, the number one nutrient you need in your body is air. Mm -hmm. And the number two nutrient is water. And the problem is, is most of the water people are drinking are full of plastics. If it's in plastic bottles or it's full of chemicals, if it's coming out Mm -hmm. of a tap. So where does that leave a person to do? Might as well get a machine. And so I've spent over uh, a half million dollars on my body for different health technologies. I think it was the best investment I made.
0: Hey guys, we absolutely love getting your questions into the podcast, but we're also interested in your journey. So if you've started intermittent fasting and have some success or even struggling a little bit, we want to hear about it. Email me your intermittent fasting stories to Chantel at ChantelRayWay.com. Now back to the show. All right. This is from Claire in Nevada. I've been researching proteolytic enzymes because I heard that they can be so good for inflammation that I deal with as well as irritable bowel syndrome. Is it safe to take these while I'm doing my longer 24 to 48 hour fast? Also are there any particular brands that you recommend and what are some foods that I can eat which are natural sources of these powerful enzymes?
2: Yeah, okay, so great question and she's right that proteolytic enzymes are one of the best ways to treat inflammation inside the body because we get inflammation from inflammatory proteins that get into our digestive system and also into our blood. So um, we went out and I developed a proteolytic enzyme for this exact reason. So. So let me t- break down what you're looking for in a proteolytic enzyme. Number one, it should have uh, a multi-stage protease. Protease is the enzyme that uses to break it down because when you go through digestion, there's uh, the pH changes from say seven to six to five to four to three to two as it, as the stomach acid comes in. And so you want an enzymes that work in all of those ranges. So we put, for example, five different proteases. You want a cultured enzyme. So people will go to the store and buy a five dollars bromelain or papain that's just an enzyme that's found in food. With a cultured enzyme you're going to get something that's anywhere from a hundred to a thousand times more powerful than a proteolytic enzyme. The third thing that you want to make sure that you're looking for, that there's no preservatives or chemical agents like that. You'll see magnesium stearate. Yes. And magnesium
0: magnesium stearate will make you sick as a dog. If you take magnesium stearate while you're fasting, that is the number one thing that literally, you know how people take vitamins or supplements or whatever? I say to you, if you take it on an empty stomach and you feel nauseous, you know, ding, 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 ding. That means that this particular product that you bought has magnesium stearate and this additive and this and that and all these things. And that's why you're nauseous. If this is a food-based supplement with true enzymes, you shouldn't be nauseous.
2: You're 100% correct on that. And so um, and then you want to make sure that you have things like uh, AstraZyme. Is an agent that was developed in China off the astrologous route, which enhances the effects of uh, proteolytic enzymes, or all enzymes actually. So it'll increase its uh, benefits by 30 to 50%. And uh, all those things are fantastic. I do use um, mass enzymes, which is the ones we produce. Mass enzymes, by the way, is the strongest proteolytic enzyme on the market today. I I know it because I'm pretty deep in the industry and that's why we cultivated that 100,000 huts per serving. So um, basically, I take anywhere from 25 to 35 of these in divided dosages on my fasting. And what it does is it cleans out my liver. It enhances uh, Mm the removal of any buildup that's inside my body. And it's keeps your brain super clear so it just amplifies the effects of any fast
0: that is awesome I love that um now on your site obviously like when you go to your homepage, um the very first thing that you see is your gluten guardian that must be your that must be just like your number one bestseller right
2: it's actually uh we introduced that this year it's number three on our list our first two is uh Mass enzymes and P three O M, but Gluten Guardians coming up quickly. <laughs>
0: okay, so go over go over the number one and the number two, and exactly what what are they for?
2: Yeah, so Mass Enzymes is enzymes for the masses. Basically, for any single person, it is the strongest proteolytic enzyme formulation on the planet today. Uh, it contains fifteen different enzymes. It's got the astrazyme. Um, it It's basically. More digestive power per capsule than anybody out on the market. It's uh, all been cultured. It's been well designed. We've been selling that one for 14 years. That's how I rebuilt my own body. P3OM is the most. We call it the Navy SEALs of probiotics. It's a proteolytic probiotic. It's a transient strain that goes through the entire system. It gets undigested protein in your brain and your bloods and your toenails It goes through the whole system. It kills off the bad guys. It kills viruses. It kill. It, it's it's a it's super amazing strain and it's been patented. So basically we took it through a process and basically that's a way to re- get your gut bacteria back in order. And then gluten guardian, uh, which we introduced earlier this year, uh, the first this year, it's, it's now number three. It's like rising up the ranks because people who suffer from gluten insensitivity or sensitivity, they struggle along. And the bottom line is, is they really want to get that out of their life. We developed that uh, DPP four. The gluten, that breaks down the gluten. So you basically you go to a social occasion, you go to the family event that you know you might get exposed to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Take three or four of
2: those caps and you're good to
1: go.
0: That's awesome. Okay, this is next question is from Carter in Gainesville. I had a severe sinus infection that just wouldn't go away. My doctor insisted on putting me on an antibiotic. I know I shouldn't take antibiotics and I hate taking them and I didn't want to do it, but it actually did help clear me up. What can I do to take or take to get my gut back to normal after the antibiotics and how fast should I take them?
2: Yeah. You know, here's a great thing. And I, and I, I want to qualify something that's very, very important because there's a lot of people in the holistic health industry who are really down on antibiotics. And I think it's, you don't want to get into that when you need an antibiotic, it's there to take the dosage that your doctor recommends, take it to the end of the time, wipe out whatever bacteria strain that you got to kill off. Cause they're good at that. But then afterwards you want to enter into a period of rebuilding your gut health because it'll wipe out the good, the bad, and the ugly, as I say in your gut digestive systems. I actually had a friend in the holistic health industry who was, who refused to take an antibiotic for a little infection. Uh, he was the, president of a a really large company, he ended up dying because he refused to take antibiotics. And you just take them, get done. And then when you get back, I would say, reintroduce into your diet fermented foods. It's something that I eat virtually every single day, uh, ones that are relative to your diet. And then um, the other thing is, is you want to add in um, a single strain of probiotics like the p through m to wipe out any bad guys that might have proliferated and then uh, try and find yourself a, a, an implant strain that will, that will work. I would select single probiotics over multi-strains because most of the multi-strains don't work because they compete or they don't have the right prebiotics or postbiotics to make them take a hold as far as an implant strain. All
0: right, this next one's from Anonymous. This is so gross, but something I'm very curious about. I recently read something in Women's Health about different poop colors revealing different health issues or areas of concern. Is this really true? If so, what should I be looking out for and what are some signs of a really, really good, healthy poop? Anonymous. (laughs)
2: You know, it's interesting. This is one of the most uh, fascinating topics that are, that are out there. And one of the ones that's most searched online, people don't want to talk about it. Um, But generally the rule of thumb is um, for every meal that you eat, you should be having a bowel movement.
0: I love that. And do you know my mom who is an amazing health? I'll have to show you a picture of her. She is just looks like a million dollars and just in such great health. But that's her. Like, that's what she says. She poops after every, every meal she has a bowel movement.
2: Yeah, same here. Um, now, coloring, and there's all these topics about color. Does it float? Does it sink? Which is better? And that's going to be dependent basically on the diet that you have. The more fats that you have inside your diet, the, the easier it's going to float the less fats you have in your diet the more it's going to sink so based if you're on a keto diet it's going to be very different than if you're on a vegetarian diet Uh, so fiber is going to influence the color so there's depending on your diet is going to determine the colors what you do want to avoid is anything that is really really black or dark Uh, and you'll see that oftentimes if you're doing a cleanse kind of looks like the old spin off of the transport trucks. You see the tires on the side of the ride to get rid of that mucus. Like that's a good thing to get out. But if you're constantly like that, there's probably some areas that you want to work on. Obviously, if you get any uh, white colored, uh, you know, if it's whitish, you're probably dumping some mu- some mucus lining out there. That could be an issue. And uh, obviously blood. Those are the, the three things that you work for. Blood, white, or really black.
0: And gray. And gray too. Like a gray, light, light one, yes. gray or a light really light brown yeah. um okay so this is from laura in western branch i recently saw an article about roundup pesticide being traced to cancer which is scary i bought a i buy about 90 percent organic produce but on your podcast the other day i even heard that some produce from a farmer's market could have pesticides on it. How can I know that what I'm buying is safe? And how do you recommend that I wash my produce in order to be extra sure? Uh, I saw I saw something, I really saw something right. on Facebook the other day about a lawsuit that someone sued the company Roundup for his cancer and won. Did you hear about that?
2: Yeah, that's a it's a it's a groundbreaking. Um, it's a groundbreaking trial that they won that because uh, it's a serious chemical. It was used as Agent Orange in the Vietnam War and they used it to kill bugs. It's, a, it's uh, made by a company called Monsanto, um, which is a very aggressive company, uh, deeply in bed with the deep state at, at, at the government levels and stuff, uh, particularly in the Obama administration. They've now been bought by Bayer, Bayer, like the makers of aspirin in Germany. So it's a big issue. The only way that you can be sure that you get it off your your vegetables is to wash your vegetables in 11.5 pH water, which you can produce with a magic machine, which will emulsify the oil because these come on an oil base. So washing your vegetables with regular water won't emulsify oil and won't get it off. It's a serious issue, and across the the prairies. In Canada, there is a lot of these chemicals that were used uh, throughout the uh, farming culture and the the incidence of all sorts of diseases, which are based on that, I think are definitely correlated to the use of Roundup. So uh, the only way to get it off is 11.5 th- that I'm aware of.
0: Yeah, great. All right, Rebecca in North Carolina. This question is so controversial. Literally every person or expert says something completely different about this with every article and book that I've read on this subject, what is the healthy t- number of times to go to the bathroom per day per week? I hear so many people say they go every day, and that is just not the case for me. I'm lucky to go three times a week. I feel fine, and I have no symptoms to lead me to believe that I have gut issues otherwise. Is this different for everyone? Or should you be going once a once a week, uh, once a day, or after every meal? Rebecca in North Carolina.
2: It's a great question. I'm a firm believer that it's whatever, however many meals you're eating is that how many times you should go to the bathroom. Um, It's pretty simple, unless you're a breatharian. (laughs) Like uh, the stigmatist Therese Newman or something like that, where you don't eat, then it would make sense. But the bottom line is, if you're not, uh, you may not be experiencing the level of health that you could. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why there's such a variance. I mean, you know, you get a bodybuilder that eats six, seven times a day versus someone who's intermittent fasting that's eating only once a day or twice a day, well, it's going to be a difference in the frequency mm-hmm. that they uh, go to the bathroom. So uh, it, it's mm-hmm. really that's why you get these variances.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Well, tell everyone the website one more time where they can get those free videos that you were talking about.
2: Yeah. So basically, if you go to uh, bioptimizers.com slash waste just click on that link and I'm going to give all your listeners a, our free awesome health course. It's 84 days you can do it or you can do it all in a weekend or you can do it over a whole year. It's 5 to 15 videos. You can select which ones you want and it basically will show you how to rebuild your digestion. We also have uh, uh, interviews with natu- my naturopathic physician, Dr. Katrine Walensky, where we, wow. deal with, we deal with um, acid reflux. We deal with uh, constipation. We deal with uh, probiotics. We deal with all these different conditions, gas, bloating, uh, digestive issues where I go in and she not only says take these products, but she says, here's why it happens. Here's the things that you can do. Um, Here's the foods that you eat, all that sort of stuff. It's great value and we just, it's like having your own naturopathic physician on those specific digestive issues and you get it all for free.
0: That's awesome. uh, Well, that is so generous of you and you just are making such a huge impact. Um, for our our community. And just thank you so much for your time today. It was an absolute honor having you on the show. So thank you so much.
2: Uh, Great to be here. And thanks for spreading the message.
0: And if you have a question that you want answered, go to questions at chantalrayway.com. See you next time. Bye-bye.